I'm Zach. And I'm Michelle. And this is a Couple Games Gaming Podcast. Tonight, we're going to talk a lot about our recent plays because it's been like three weeks since we've last recorded, so we have a lot of catching up to do. And then we're also going to talk about games with what we believe have a misleading player count. Yes, so games that list a player count that doesn't exactly play well at that, but we'll get into that in our topic. So before we kick things off with our recent plays like we normally do, just want to apologize for being a week late on our episode. We usually like to do, you know, one episode every two weeks, but we just had a lot of, you know, adulting life stuff going on or we had to get part of our AC replaced. I was sick last weekend and just not not feeling up to recording. My voice was like completely gone. So just didn't quite timing wasn't on our side. Right. And we did have family and things come in, but you know, and that kind of leads into our recent plays. We got to play some games with my family who came in. Yeah. And you had spring break and I had spring break, but they didn't line up. Yeah. But they were, they were opposite. And it was just, it's like our whole schedule was off for two weeks because you know, Having different spring breaks is never fun. It doesn't really happen that often, but... No, this is only the second time since, since we've we, been teaching. Yeah. So, normally they line up, but sadly this year they did not. So... Yeah. But with that, you know, I, I mentioned that my family came in over... Was it my spring break? It was like the one weekend that we It was started. the weekend in between. Yeah. Yeah. So, they came in and they let, they know we like to play some games. So, we played some games with them. And they're not big board game people. Correct. Right. So we played one that my my niece and my nephew really like called King of Tokyo. In King of Tokyo, everybody is a big monster and you want to be the biggest and baddest. You can win the game in one of two ways. You can either be the first monster to get 20 points or you can knock out all the other monsters. So you get points by going into Tokyo, but when you're in Tokyo, you get beat up on by everybody that's not in Tokyo, and you can't heal when you're in Tokyo. You also get to hit everybody that's outside Tokyo too, which is a nice perk. But it's risky. Yeah, it's it's definitely a push your luck game and it uses the Yahtzee mechanism where you roll some dice, decide what you want to keep and what you want to re-roll and then you you get 3 roles basically yeah yeah and i know we've mentioned king of tokyo before right it's not one of my favorite games but it is fun to play like with kids i feel like it's it's a lot more fun yeah like you and i would would never play it just us but no probably not i think we tried it when i first got it so many years ago but i mean that's definitely one that would not play well it it just two yeah that's another one it says two on the box but that wouldn't be fun. <laughs> yeah. So, but that was King of Tokyo. Another one we tried was Isle of Cats. We tried the family edition specifically with them. Yeah, this was the first time we played the family version of Isle of Cats. And it went, I thought it went really well. Again, yeah. I mean, everyone seemed to catch on and we were playing with ages as young as about to be seven. So six, seven. Um, and I know y'all were kind of on the same team ish. Yeah, we were on the same team ish. I was kind of letting him make all the decisions, make all the decisions. 
and he he kind of saw where he would make a bad decision, but and he's one we need to watch though because he he kept trying to cheat. <laughs> if a cat came out that he wanted, he, he was would grab it and grab or it hide it, you know, from everyone. Yeah, uh, but that was it. Was fun. It was it was nice not to have to keep up with the fish and the counting. Right, like it was more laid back. I mean, Island Pass is pretty laid back as it is, but it was even more laid back. Yeah, and the the cards, we didn't get cards every round. We just... You got them at the very beginning, and you just stayed with those the whole yeah, time. Yeah, you had basically two goals that yeah. you were trying to go through. So it was, it was fun. It was a nice way to make it lighter than, you know, it normally is. And if you haven't heard us talk about Island Cats before, it's a polyomino game, so it's like Tetris pieces... We're trying to cover up portions of your boat with these Tetris pieces that are cats. And it's really great that it has the two different versions because I feel like you can ease your way into the harder one, but the family one, like anyone could catch on to that really quickly. Um, you, I mean, you're really just laying out, like if you have four people playing, you're laying out 16 cat tiles and everybody takes a turn drafting the cat tiles until they're gone. And then you do the same thing again. Like you do that for five rounds. Yeah. One thing though about the family version, I scoured through the rules and I couldn't find anything about the the rare treasures. Oh yeah, because I forgot about the common treasures too. Yeah. So because it said if you draw a rare treasure, just set it aside or set it below the board, and but then it never referenced it again. So we're like, can we get these things or is it not a? Yeah, we no. didn't really know what to do with those, and I think we kind of had like a house rule at the end where we just. Could at the very last round, everybody got to pick one or something? Yeah, just and these treasures are just smaller polyominoes. So, when you're playing Isle of Cats, a lot of the cats are bigger pieces that might cover up anywhere from four to six spaces on your board, but then sometimes you're left with these little bitty holes, and so the treasures are singles or doubles, sometimes triples, that you can use to fill in those smaller gaps that might have happened, right. So it was a lot of fun. I do think once we got to the scoring, though, both of them like kind of ran off, and like it was just me and you doing the scoring, oh. or me, you, and my mom. I thought Taylor Jane did hers just fine. No, she ran over here, and they, they were watching Lion King or something. And, oh, but that's okay. Yeah, so it was just funny because I was like, "Oh, Taylor Jane, you." I think she like won or tied. I think we tied. Yeah, y'all tied. I was like, "Taylor Jane, you tied for the win," and she wasn't at the table. She was or watching TV or whatever. But that's whatever. That's kids, you know. It might have been a little bit long. Yeah. It's still sort of a lengthy game, even with the family version. I don't feel like it really shortens it all that much. No, and we were playing with four, so. Yeah. So, but that's Isle of Cats, the family version. I'm trying to think if we played, I guess we played just one with them. That's when we usually, I usually don't log. We just kind of sit on the couch and play. Yeah. Yeah, and so just one we've talked about before, but if you haven't before, basically one person is the the guesser, and everybody else knows a word that they're trying to get the person to guess. It's a cooperative game, and you write it on a like it's like a little whiteboard, and everybody compares their answers. If there's any duplicates, those have to get erased, and then the guesser has to go based on what's left, and it's Sometimes it can be very hard. Sometimes it, you know. It can be easy. Some, sometimes it varies. Yeah. So, because you want to 
if you're not the guesser, you want to write down a clue that'll help them guess, but you don't want to write down an obvious clue because then it's probably going to get erased because somebody else will pick it. Yeah. And then no one ever picks the obvious clue because of that and makes it, yeah, makes it more difficult. It's fun though. It's, it's always addicting to go around and, you know, at least two rounds per person, if not three. Yeah. Like everybody gets to be the guesser at least twice. Yeah. Usually what we do. I think that's all the board games we played with him. I know me and my brother-in-law, we always play Overcooked when he comes in. And Overcooked is a, uh, it's a video game. It's not a board game, but it's, it's a light one where you're, you're cooperatively trying to cook food in a kitchen and the kitchens are the most inefficient things you can imagine. Like the foods rotating around or the their counters are like a maze that you have to go through to get to the different burners and things and yeah. it's very hectic and so <laughs> we actually we stayed up and we we beat the game like this this has been years we've been playing it like when they come in like every time they come in yeah yeah and we finally beat the game so that was cool overcooked too overcooked too yeah i guess we haven't beat the first one i was gonna say i feel like i'll just switch to the second one and then didn't go back to the first one i feel like the second one's so much better like i can't even like remember the differences between them but i i mean i like these games too and i'm not really the big video game person but i liked over i like overcooked yeah it's a good one if if you're into i don't know if you have a gaming system i think overcooked is can't go wrong with it if you have at least two people that's one where it says you can play by yourself, you can't play by yourself. No, that would be terrible. Yeah. Your kitchen would, like, light up on fire. Probably yeah. Within. Well, what happens is you just, you go to hit play and you're the only player and they give you a dummy player that just sits there. They don't move. I didn't <laughs> even know that. Yeah. Like single. Yeah, because, um, no, one of, one of Clint's, when Clint's friend came in that one time, um, yeah. Blanking on his name. Uh, but he tried to play it after he saw me and Clint play. He woke up one morning and was trying to play it by himself. Wow. And he was like, yeah, this guy's not doing anything. Okay. Yeah. So, but that was Overcooked and just one. Some other games we've been playing. We've got a, we've been, uh, we keep a list of games we need to play. Like if we get a new expansion in for a game. And we we have a couple on our list that we played with the expansion for the first time. So we played Wingspan with the Oceana expansion. That's the latest one. What did you think about it? I really liked it. I feel like it was almost a little bit overwhelming with how many cards are all about You're the each end round or each or the end of the game. Like, what do you mean? So many of the cards, that's their special thing. Is It's either end of round bonuses or end of game bonuses. And I felt like I was, like, thrown off by that because I didn't I didn't know that's what the expansion did. Yeah. I feel like I, it changes your how you play it a lot. Right. I think the, the European expansion added the end of round birds. Okay. And the, the latest one added the end of game. I could be wrong on that. But, I feel like I just had so many of those that round that I was like, I'm not getting anything that I need right now. Like, this is all great for the end or for the end of the round, but I need 
I need food. I need something that's going to help me lay eggs faster. I need, I need that immediate bonus, not all these later bonuses. Mm, yeah. I see. I didn't have that. I only had a couple of those. I really liked it. So if you haven't heard us talk about wingspan, it's a bird. It's a game where you're getting birds into your aviary and it just, Works it just really well flows really well. And that might sound boring, but it just feels good playing it. The Oceanic expansion added nectar, which is a new resource, which it can be used as a wild resource, but some birds also require it. And if you spin the nectar, you're, you're, you might get points at the end of the game if you spent the most in a certain area. If you don't spin the nectar, it goes away at the end of the round. Mm-hmm. So you can't save it up. Yeah. And I had read people complaining about, you know, the nectar being too easy to play birds, but I, I still didn't fill up my little aviary. No, I didn't either because I still never had enough food because I wasn't getting many instant bonuses is what I guess is the way I'm describing that. But yeah. I still, I mean, I like it. It's just, it makes you focus on a different strategy for sure. And yeah. If you're not getting those older cards a lot, which I think I just, that's just how I happen to be drawing. It really changes the what you have to do. Yeah. The, the only thing I didn't like about it was the, the change in the color scheme on the player boards. And that sounds like it's kind of nitpicky. It's, but the first, the player boards in the original game were like the nice bright blues and greens and just look, I don't know. Happier. Yeah. And this is like browns and oranges. And, darker, yeah. Yeah. We also got the neat player mats, which I know you kind of have mixed feelings about. Yeah, I really do. I don't know. I just think the player mats for this game in particular aren't the best like clarity. Like it doesn't look super clear. Yeah. We're talking about the the neoprene player mats. You can buy off their website. I think the board looks better. You think the board that comes with the game looks better? Yeah. It looks cleaner. It's, it's definitely less pixelated. Yeah. I don't know. I just wasn't, super impressed with them and i wanted the mats like i did and then they got them and i was like man i don't know i like the boards better (laughs) yeah well so i don't always have to use them and they weren't they weren't crazy expensive no they weren't but i i didn't mind them as much i any card games which this is a card based game i like player mats because it's easier to pick up cards and things and shove cards underneath cards which you do in this game that's true the tucking yeah so, I liked it. But that's Wingspan Oceana. We also played Sagrada with the, I think it's called the Life Expansion? I thought it was the Passion Expansion. We have both. We played with both. So We played with too many expansions. <laughs> We're probably going to tone down how many expansions we play with in the future. Maybe. But we played Sagrada with the Passion and Life facade expansions i think they're, they're doing like a, a series those i think there's one left but the latest expansion added these orange dice orange dice which they have arrows that point in you know different directions and they can go anywhere on your board number wise but color wise they were their own unique color and if you in Sagrada, you're you're drafting dice to go on your stained glass board. 
so you're trying to make a pretty stained glass, but on your board, there's certain spaces where colors have to go, certain spaces where numbers have to go. And it's like Sudoku. You can't have the same color next to the same color, same number next to the same number. Yeah. So the orange dice have arrows that point in different directions. And if they're pointing to the same thing, then you get bonus points at the end of the game, basically. Right. There is also these, I think they called it masterwork cards, which basically gave you like points for covering up certain spots on your board. Yeah, I got a really good one. I can't remember what it was at the moment because this one's been like three weeks since we played it. Yeah. But I got a really good card like that that let me do something really helpful that normally you can never do in this game. So, yeah, I I, I remember what it was. I really liked those, and I really liked the orange dice too, because if you took an orange dice, you you got favorite tokens. I think they're called favorite tokens. The yeah. little glass beads. And originally, you can't get those back if you spin them. You can spin them to on tools to help you do your glass board, break some rules in the game, things like that. And they're gone forever. Or if you keep them at the end of the game, they're worth points. This lets you get some back, which I thought was cool. I didn't even realize that. Yeah. And then, I mean, you murdered me anyways. I'm pretty sure. It was like my lowest score in Sagrada ever. But. Yeah, yeah I, it's because we were focusing on all the expansions and the original game. And I was just, there was just like a lot going on. And I, I mean, I know I still somehow won. But I was kind of thinking like, oh, I feel like we should pick which expansion we're going to play with in the future. Well, you set it up. And not. Well, I didn't know that it was going to be like that. I know. Well, you know, we had that conversation about setting games up today. Yeah, I'm not good at setting games up. <laughs> I try, and then I, like, mess up something. And he's like, uh, this isn't right. I'm like, oh, well, cool. I didn't know I was on the wrong side of the board. Yeah. Well, what Michelle's referring to, so the last game was Sagrada. The, uh, the game Michelle's referring to is Alma Mater. We played that today. Um, I was putting our son down for a nap, and she was setting it up. And she set it up. Great. Did a great job, you know. And we sat down. We're, we're playing it. And and in Alma Mater, this kind of sparked our, our topic today. Um, you flip a card in the two-player game because you have to have a dummy player. You flip a card and the dummy player goes. Well, flip a card to put the dummy player out. And all the spaces aren't marked like they normally are. Where are the spaces? Are there tokens that are supposed to go in the spaces? Because it's been a while since we've played. And then I look up in the corner of the board and I see that there's there's four spaces. And I'm like, oh, I we're on the wrong. wrong. I was like, babe, I love you, but they <laughs> look set identical. it up on the wrong side. They look identical, though. They I just know, have like I these know. tiny little differences. So anyways, I set it up on the wrong side of the board and we had to take all the things off that I had set up and then flip the board over and put it all back. But yeah, it was all, it was, it fine. was fine. We were, we were trying, I was trying to say, I was like, should we just play and trust you? And I was like, no, there's, there's no way I can figure out where these guys are supposed to go. Yeah. So it worked out. It was fine. And, you know, we made some other house rules to alma mater to. So. You know, we should explain Alma Mater. Yeah, okay. So it's been a while since we played Alma Mater. So we'll explain. So Alma Mater, you're running a school. You're... Like a college. Like a college, yeah. A university back in the yeah olden days. You are getting professors to give lectures at your college. You are 
attracting, attracting students. students. You're doing research to make your books that your university publishes, I guess, more valuable or yeah, yes, that's what I would say. Yeah. So there's there's a lot going on, and it's very ver- variability. I don't know. You set it up differently every time, so every game is slightly different than the last. Mm-hmm. And so we set it up and play. And the one thing about this game that's unique is whenever you go to hire a professor, you kind of set the price for that professor for the entire game based on what you pay. Mm-hmm. And you have to pay some money and then you have to pay a certain amount of books. Well, you get to choose those certain amount of books. So I want my books to be more valuable. So I'm going to pay the most of my book. So everybody that comes in after me has to pay, you know, the most of my book. And so then they're more likely to buy books from him, which he gets more money from. Right. So, and again, that's one of the hard things about two player is like, we don't have choice of who we buy books from really. Yeah. It's us. It's the other player or this third guy. Well, this third guy is not buying books. And so the, the dummy player, the dummy player, you're you're just throwing money out. It's not really coming back in because there's been there's plenty of rounds where Michelle will buy some of my books and I'll buy some of hers just because you know, we have to. Yeah. You if in order to be successful, you have to get other players' books, and the cheapest way to do that is to buy it directly from them. Mm-hmm. But this other guy, he's so we have no income coming from this third player. When a in a three player game, you would have income coming in. Right. And so we we made a house rule where his books are discounted, but we can only buy a certain amount each. Yeah. Because it felt like all we were doing was spending all our money to this guy, you know, our dummy player and we weren't getting anything out of it. And it was just like slowing the game down to me. It wasn't fun. Like the first two or three rounds, I was like, why does this suck? (laughs) Like, why can't, why can't I gain any momentum right now? And then I was just like, you know, we need to do something about this. Like we need to, we're going to just decide. And that's kind of, what we were like, they should have done something different. Yeah, I agree. They should have either used a different player board or made look, they have little tokens that go over the prices for another reason, but they should have done something that were to replicate that you you should be getting money from this third player. They should make the price of their books lower. Yeah. That's just, you know, I don't know, economics, maybe. Uh, I don't know. I mean, and after we did that, it it picked up a lot. And oh, I it felt definitely like did. it got more. Yeah. It was more fun. It was so. more fun. And that's a lot of people that have reviewed this game. They're, I've heard a lot of hot and cold reviews on this. It's They're like, it's not fun. They you, know, you get stuck in a rut or things like that. Yeah, you definitely can. Yeah. Another thing I know that you complained about was this guy, he always goes first. And there was, he blocked, the first three rounds, he blocked the same location three three times three in a row. Yeah. And I was like, that's not realistic. Someone's yeah. not going to, you know, like right. I would have had a chance to at least go there. Well, especially because you were first player, I think two out of those three rounds, maybe. Yeah. yeah. And you can go to other players, like a spot where somebody else is gone, but you have to spend an extra worker. Yeah. Which, that's an action you're not taking, which puts you at a disadvantage. Slows you down. Yeah. So I think another thing they could have done is have them on the player turn order and you flip a card every, like you go around, you know, and then flip a card. 
Does that make sense? So they place one worker at a time, like everyone else. Oh, okay. I could see that's maybe slowing the game down and being a little bit more upkeep. Yeah. But that could solve an issue. Yeah. No, I agree. I mean, that's why I just think this game is is very... It is stretching to call it two-player. Yes. Like you could have just said three and up. But, yeah. I mean, I get it. They're, they're trying to appeal to, you know, people that aren't going to have three. So they have this, you know, two-player option. It's just, I feel like we've had to really tweak it <laughs> to make it fun. Yeah. But. And I'm still, I did horrible. But. Yeah. That's anyway. another thing in this game. I feel like whoever wins usually wins by like a landslide. Yes, like I knew way, I knew I was going to lose. I was like, I don't think there's any way between, because you, the way you do get points at the end of the game is by multiplying your research by your professors. And my research was the lowest the whole time, like the whole, on the track. And I, I mean, I had two professors and you had three, so I wasn't crazy far off there, but you were like way ahead of me on the research track. So I knew, I was like right there alone, like that's well, my 15 more points you had than me. My special ability had to do with the research track. It was whenever I went up the research track, I could pay again to go up it. Yeah. And so I was doing that. But that's all my mother. I liked it. After we made that one tweak, it really did make a big difference. It it felt more fun and that's you know, that's what games are about. And so Yeah. For right now it'll it'll stay with us. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking about it today though. I was, I was too. Like, I was like, man, maybe, maybe we should trade it. But now we'll We'll keep going with this that we've gotten and we can decide later if it's still just meh. Yeah. But that was Alma Mater. One that we play, we've played, it's on our list of recently played. That's, it plays different at two player, but I think in a good way. Can you guess the game? Have we recently played it? Yes, it's on this list right here. Oh, I mean, like, like the past couple days. Past week. Um, I don't know, five tribes. Yeah, five tribes. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I mean, that one, I that I think they did a great job making that two player. Yeah. Although so, we've never played it more than two, so I guess I can't say too much. Right. Well, five tribes and five tribes. It's like Arabian Nights team type. You know, there's genies and things. You're. You're moving around the board, Mancala style, and you're you're trying to get meeples to match on squares, and then every square has an ability, and every meeple color has an ability, and so every every turn you're triggering two abilities, which is neat. In the two-player game, what they did differently was every round, each player gets two turns. In the three and the four-player game, you only get one turn in a round. And there's a turn order bidding that takes place at the beginning of each round where you could set yourself up to have two turns in a row. Yes. In the two player game. If you pay enough. If you pay enough or if the other person, you know, it just. I feel like you have to pay a lot because the other person's going to try not to let that happen. Yeah. So if you, if you really up the ante, then you could get that. Right. So that's a cool thing about five tribes, two player, I think is it's, it turns it into more of a strategic game. And otherwise it's more tactical. Like you just, you can't really plan ahead because the board changes so much every time. Yeah. So 
but we played with the Whims of the Sultan expansion, which is the latest expansion for that one. And this added in some special city tiles. Mm-hmm. And in Five Tribes, uh, it's everything that you're playing on is a it's like an oversized tile that you lay out and it creates a board. So it's very different every game. Well, then now we've got these extra tiles that have special cities that are worth a lot if you can own that city. Like crazy amounts if you can own all of them. Like you'll win if you own all of them. So you definitely, we had to, we were like fighting to own them basically. Yeah. So like we're trying to make it even. Yeah. It's every city you own is worth five times the number of cities you own. So if you own one, it's five times one. But if you own two, it's five times two, but you have two cities. So it's each city is worth 10. And so it just multiplies and multiplies and crazy amounts. But would you, you ended up winning this one, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, this yeah. is a, Cause this I got was your city. second time since we've had the game. Yeah, yeah. Well, you had already gotten two cities, I think. I was like, if I don't get the second city, like I'm, maybe you got three. I think I got three cities. There's only five. I think I got three out of five. Okay. I had, I can't remember what else I had, but there's another tile too that has something special on it. It was like water. Oh, it was the Oasis. So also in five tribes, whenever you land on tiles, you trigger these abilities. Some of the abilities let you put palm trees or palaces on the tile. And what those do is they make them more valuable at the end of the game. The Oasis Every tile that was around it, and there's eight tiles around it, it doubled the amount of the for the palaces and the palm, palm trees. trees. And I had a lot of palm trees. Yeah. I think that was where I kind of made up for the cities. And then I also just had a lot of the set collection cards. Mm, that's that's what I think drove you over the top. That really I, there's so many ways to get points in this game that are mm-hmm. really, really good and to me well balanced. Yeah. Like I feel like you can go with any strategy and you know if you really go all in on that strategy it's going to work out for you yeah every time we play this game i'm like man better this... than Tenkinu. <laughs> well it's so it's such a different game than Tenkinu, and, and but i was just saying there's so many ways to win in both of them yeah and the it also added another way to score the expansion did it added these kind of objective cards, which were the whims of the Sultan. So if you accomplish those, then you got extra points. So what'd you, what did you think about the objective cards? In five trips. They, I don't feel like they changed that much. They don't, you don't think so? No, I can't even remember what mine was, to be honest. There were those little cards that went on the cities. And if you landed on a city... Oh, oh, okay. I thought, okay, yes. I thought you were talking about something else. I mean, they were all right. Yeah, but still, I don't think they were crazy. Like, the cities themselves were better than the little cards on top of them. Well, right. But they added, you know, four or five points here or there, sometimes, sometimes 10. Yeah, I liked them because, so you mentioned the set collection thing. You're, you're trying to collect you like a unique set, a run or something. Mm-hmm, you might call it. Yeah. What happens in that market, though, is whenever you go to take a card from that, you can usually only take from the first three or the first six, maybe. And sometimes those are cards you already have. Yeah. And so if I grab this one I already have, it's almost a dead card. Like, it, it might be worth a point. Maybe I can get it up to, like, 
10 or 12 points at the end. I see. And but these cards, they said, if you get three of fish, fish yeah. you get, you know, 15 points. And that's like, oh, that's a reason to get more of the same card. You're right. I do. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah. I think it really helped churning. And that kind of helped your strategy, too, because normally I don't go for the market stuff. But because of that reason right there, there's like repeated goods. But I could get points doing that. if So I, I feel like the market was churning more because of that. Yeah, I can see how you would. Yeah, because that is true. I feel like I always go for the sets more than you do in this yeah. game. And then I feel I also think you go for the genies a lot more than I do. I do. I like the genies. They're cool. I mean, I still had three or four. Yeah. And those are also, they do something cool for you, like a bonus. And they also get you points at the end of the game. Yeah. So, but that's five tribes. I, every time we play it, it, it goes up my list. Like it's a great game. Yeah. I, I really like the expansion. It's kind of skeptical of it. Cause I was like, what else can you add to this? And then I was like, Oh, this is really good. <laughs> yeah. There is another one. We don't have that came out before this one. It actually, funny story. It came with, I got five tribes in a trade. It came with the expansion. Huh. And I like I think it was like still like shrink wrapped or something. What? I ended up not opening it because when we played it, you you were kind of lukewarm on five traps. Like you liked it, but you were like, eh, it's kind of complicated. And before I really liked board games, right? And I I watched like a review on the expansion, and I was like, you know, I don't think five traps needs an expansion. I don't think it needs this one. It changed it from there are five colors in the game. It changed it to six. And I'm like. And then you're just changing the name of the game. <laughs> it adds a purple meeple. Okay, I've seen seen pictures. Yeah, so I, I, I looked at what it added, and I wasn't too impressed, and so I ended up trading it away in one of, like, a bulk trade. But I do like this expansion. I do, too. I'm good with just this one. Yeah, but that's five traps. We also played some Quacks of Quedlinburg. Yes, we did, and we used different witch book tr- book recipes. Yeah, we used <laughs> the different ingredient books, like a, a set we haven't used before, and uh, different witches with the expansion that we haven't used before. So over the snowpocalypse that happened here, we played Quacks quite a bit with Matt, Matt and Sarah and just with ourselves, too. Yeah, virtually. It's yeah. a great virtual game. Yeah, and... They were telling they were telling us how they were they've been playing it and they were running through all the different sets of ingredients and they said they didn't like set I think it was three and that's so and we were like we haven't played with that so we played it and what'd you think about it there was one or two that I really did like I be I believe it was yellow the mandrake mm-hmm. let you jump ahead a lot or one more than normal i can't recall i think it increased your threshold to blow up that was it yes it increased yep okay that's yep you're right but i felt like there was a lot of others that i just never that never happened i never benefited from the ability yeah i know there was one i know the the bird the raven if you you had you, to land. You had to land on a ruby's face, but yeah. every time 
my my four ra- raven or whatever came out, I landed on a ruby space. See, I think the whole game I had a raven, which I mean, I had several of them. I it only landed on the ruby one time. So it's like cool, gotten all these. And I kind of just stopped getting them and yeah. went for one that could increase my you know blow up chances. That one really was good. And then I think I liked the Black Moth a lot, too, in this. I did, too. So this one, we played with this one. The Black Moth we played with, it's from the expansion. And it instead of going in your bag, it goes into the person to your left. Which, yeah. So. And then every time the person to your left uh, draws it, then... You get a ruby. You get a ruby. And there was something else, too, if it's if it's like the second or last... It's if it's the last or second to last one in their pot, too, you get another ruby. Yeah. So that was cool. It's a little bit of interaction. Mm-hmm. And that was just neat to me. The I don't know. I'm not I'm not gonna go through all the abilities, but I, I thought the ingredients three was enjoyable. I haven't come across any that I disliked. Yes. Any sets so far. I know there's one or two we haven't played with. Yeah, I always love this game, so yeah. I don't feel like you can mess it up. No, I don't think so either. <laughs> it's it's great. But that's Quacks of Quedlinburg. What's one we played this week you want to talk about? We played one kind of in the middle of the week, I believe. We played Meeple Land. Yes, we played Meeple Land, and I lost spectacularly. Meeple Land's one where you're building up amusement park with um, you're trying to get a variety of rides in your park and basically you're just buying them putting them on your little board and then you're trying to attract different colored meeples based on what the ride wants and you have cards that tell you that that tell you what color meeples are going to get you points as well right you have cards and then you have the little colored meeples on your actual tiles so you're trying to match those as best as you can Right. And I don't know where I went wrong, but I just was not doing well in this game. I don't. (laughs) I I mean, you have to spread out. You have to try and spread out the rides and the attractions. Like, you have to try and go for everything. You can't just pick a few and stick with those. You've got to have a good variety in your I mean, park and you need to have bathrooms in there a lot of times those get you more point like the the attractions that have a bathroom link to them st- stipulation to them i feel like get you more points um, same thing with the food attractions that have a food symbol which means they need to be placed next to food they usually had more points tied to them too i don't feel like you had a lot of those i guess not and and also those, uh, if you can do that, they attract more people to them too. And so you get more points th- or more coins throughout the game so you can buy more stuff. I didn't overlap on any of my rides or anything. I did have to buy another entrance to my park because I had about half my park that wasn't in use and all the pathways were Blocked going. Off. Yeah, all my pathways were going left and nothing was going to the right and I had a lot of land left, so I needed to buy another entrance to start my park over there. So, but that was neat. I got to experience needing to buy an entrance. But anything else about Meeple Land? 
No, I mean, it's it's fun. I, I like Mevoland. It's a good, light, kind of like, you know, weekday game. I feel like we... Yeah, it's, it's nice and quick and doesn't take a lot of time. Another one we played during the week was Tang Garden. Which, typically, that one is not a week night game. It was long. I feel like we stayed up way too late, but... Yeah, I think so, too. But... It was, it's fun. Ten Gardens one. it's a tile lane game where you're trying to make this like, you're like a garden engineer or something where you're trying to make this Chinese garden and there's like trees and little gazebos that go in there and a landscape. Bridges. Bridges. But it's neat because you're trying to you're trying to line these things up to go up tracks on your board, but then you also get these little character meeples that you get to put out and you want them to look at specific things. And so you can only point them in one direction and the direction you point, they, they want to be looking at different things. So you're trying to keep that in mind too. But yes. And they get more points for that. And then it, there's also like a set collection feature to this game too. Mm-hmm. I feel like I must really just like that. You like set collection games? Yeah, I must. Yeah, I must really. That's what I went for with the decorations. I got all five trees for the first time. I was really excited. Yeah. Colorful garden. Yeah, we had a really close score. We were, yeah, we were like three. You, we, I think you won by three. Mm-hmm. It was close. I really thought I was gonna win. Uh, I don't know. I thought you. I thought you were, but I was also. I was banking on the money, and the money is points, and so. Yeah. Yeah. It was a lot of fun, though. But that was Tang Garden. It's a very three-dimensional, too. We yes. Didn't really mention all that. Yeah. Like everything's 3D. The box is really big because all of your pieces and everything are going to take up a lot of room. Yeah. The, and they're really nice, too. I kind of wish we had the metal coins, you know. But it's okay. It's, okay. it's, it's a pretty enough game, as is. But that's Tank Garden. It's all very pretty game. I think the last one on our list, we maybe just recently played. Yes, is Clans of Caledonia, which I feel like we need to play again so that I can give a better opinion. Right. So we played this last night, and last night Michelle was like, "I want to play like one of the heavier games." I, th- I suggested like a lighter game. I think I think I suggested Taverns of Teeth and Tall or something. You're like, no, I want to learn Clans of Caledonia or Mary Kaibo. And I was like, all right. I was like, I think I know how to play Clans. I haven't even cracked open Mary Kaibo. So let's play Clans. And so I got the rule book, setting it up, learn how to play. She goes and puts our son down for bed and like falls asleep. <laughs> yeah, she like falls asleep back there. <laughs> And I was like, are you serious? You know, and she's like, all right, you know, let's play. It's, it says 30 minutes. She's like, oh, it says 30 minutes per player. <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to make it. <laughs> I so, made it barely. You made it. You made it. Um, it was it was a very neat game, though. It was. I mean, I caught on quickly. I felt like it was easy to learn, even though there's a lot going on. There is. There's there's this whole like stock market thing with. I liked that. Yeah. I thought that was cool. I liked how we were going for different things, but we still had. I wouldn't really say we had an interaction on the board. Yeah. We had an interaction with when you buy things, though, because definitely one of us would increase the price or decrease the, the price for the other person. So, Right. So 
in clans of Caledonia, you are, I think, Scottish clans. Something like that. I don't know. So it's it's one of those. So <laughs> the board is made up of these hexes, which is, it's really neat. It's a nice modular board, so it changes kind of every time you play it. Yeah. You start out with just two workers on your on anywhere on the board and then you just kind of expand out from that everything you place has to be placed adjacent to what you've already placed or you can get your what they call shipping up and it lets you cross rivers and cross lakes eventually and so that's how you can kind of branch out from just past your little area and you're what you, what are you doing in this game you're building I guess farms to get wheat. Mm-hmm. You are you're putting out cows, cows to get milk, and then you can put out there's sheep for wool. Sheep for wool. Then there's like bakeries that make bread and cheeseries. I don't know what you would call the cheeseries. Yeah, little they're little cheese things that go out there. And the what's cool is they're like the meeples on the board are shaped like cows, sheep, cheese. Yeah. One thing we played wrong. We thought these things just produce these things no matter what the the cows produce milk the sheep produce wool the fields produce wheat but the other ones are processed goods which makes sense cheese is processed so in order to produce cheese you have to spend the milk yeah and so that was one thing we didn't play right was in order to produce oh you also produce whiskey yeah too and there's distilleries you can put out so yeah, so it was it was cool. I definitely want to play again to get a better understanding of it all and just so I'm not falling asleep most yeah. of the way through it. But it was it was a good game. I think we'll definitely enjoy it. It, it played really well at two-player. Yeah, I thought. I thought so too. And that was one of the things that kind of steered me away from it um, in the past. I, I heard Secret Cabal talk about this. They're one of my gaming podcasts I listen to. And they talked about how it was a really fun game and how inexpensive it was on Amazon at the time. And then I, I looked at it and thought about getting it. But then they said, I don't know about two-player. And then I read some reviews. It's like, yeah, two-player game's kind of lacking. I was like, well, we, I mainly play two-player, so I'm probably going to pass on this one. You know? And so I passed on it. And by the time I was looking at it, the price had risen quite a bit, too. I think it's fine at two player compared to some of the other games that we've played that uh, are not as I don't you know yeah well that that could be a good segue into our topic so we'll be right back we're gonna give you a word from our sponsor and then we're gonna talk about games that have misleading player counts yes. So, if you didn't know, we are members of the Gateway Network. The Gateway Network is a collection of smaller content creators, board game content creators, and so we try to lift each other up to, you know, get our viewership or listenership up and things like that. So, this week, we want to lift up the Charity Board Gamer. Yes, they do a variety of youtube playthroughs interviews they do um 
they have an Instagram too that showcases all of these things that they are up to and all the different games that they are playing and wanting to share their thoughts and opinions on. What else? I know they've done stuff on Twitch too, which is like where they have their oh, playthroughs. Yeah. And they they have a Discord, so the charity board gamer is definitely always doing something really, really awesome in the board game world. Yeah, it's there there's I can't think of a platform they're not on. And you can check out all their stuff. They have a link tree on their Instagram and you can check out all their channels and they even have merchandise store. Yeah, so that's the charity board gamer. So, like we talked about in our recent plays, we played Alma Mater and how we were slightly disappointed in the two-player mode. So, got us thinking, man, this really isn't a great two-player game. And it got the wheels turning. Like, it could have been, but we don't think it was naturally designed that way. They just had some some quirks that that we're trying to fix ourselves. Right. So it got us thinking, what other games in our collection aren't great at two-player? And then from that, I kind of went on and thought about games that are listed at other player counts that don't really represent or don't really feel like they were meant to be that way. So do you want to get started off or I can? Right. What other games were you thinking of besides Alma Mater? Because I know I kind of started this off with that one, but what else have you been thinking Okay, about? so another one is New York Slice. New York Slice is listed at two to six players. And New York Slice is one... I like to play it when my family comes in town. It's it's a game about pizza. You basically deal out these slices to make a whole pizza. Then one person every round is the cutter or slicer. Mm-hmm. They divide up the pizza into however many sections equal to the number of players then they are the last to choose and everyone else gets to choose a section to take. And it's kind of like a set collection game. Yeah. And it's listed at two to six players, but I just don't see the two player being much fun. Would you only cut it in half? Yeah. So you'd only cut the pizza in half. Well, and then you'd you have don't to... have to, you could, you could cut it in like not in right. perfect proportions. Right. You could cut it in, you know, one, one one is three quarters and the other is just one quarter, but you're going to probably get stuck with the one quarter. Right. So you would probably, just for fairness, if we were playing two, which we've never even played this two-player, because, yeah, that doesn't seem, it just doesn't seem like that would work very well. Like, you would only get to probably pretty much cut the pizza in half, not really have a lot of ability to change what things are next to, not being able to split it up beyond that. And then you would probably just get stuck with a bunch of pizza slices that didn't fit your set collection because you'd have like so much going on. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't be opposed to trying it one time because it's it, it's all about head games. You're you're trying to get somebody to pick whatever, but a game that incorporates the I split you choose method is Dulasaur, which has a lot more game around it. Yes, and that one definitely doesn't have the issue of getting stuck with a whole bunch of something. Yeah. So that's my pick for now. Yeah. And and when thinking too, I feel like six, that would be, 
like you'd have only like two two slices per I mean, if you're really trying to be fair about it, that way someone doesn't get stuck with one or nothing. I mean, well, I guess you'd always get one. But you'd probably only get to pick two pieces at a time, so it would take you forever to build a set. Like, your set probably wouldn't be very good because the game would end. Yeah. So, yeah, that's one that I would say, I think, what do you think the player count should say for New York Slice? Definitely three. Three, two... I think six could work, but probably three to five. That's what I was thinking. Is that sweet spot? Even three to four, but I think three is might be the perfect number. I could see four, four and five making it a lot more interesting, though. Like yeah. giving it a lot more to think about and really kind of helping the strategy. Because sometimes I feel like it's a little easy at three. Yeah, it's almost like the perfect sweet spot to where it's easy. You get the things you want. There's not a whole lot of thinking really. So I don't know, maybe the four or five would kind of add a little bit to that. Yeah. So that's my pick for now is New York slice. Okay. Do you have another one? In mind? Oh, I have many. I have many. Oh, you have more than I do. I just had this. Yeah, I don't know. I, I do. Okay. So one that I honestly, okay. I put it on here, but I don't mind playing it too is, but when we played it too, we add, something to it is scythe mm. scythe is listed as a two to six you can actually play it two to eight i think but i would never play with eight that's crazy um but scythe is listed at i think one to six i'm sorry but side the map is so huge that in a two-player game unless you had factions that were right next to each other you would never almost never interact i think yeah you just each do your own thing and you would never really combat or see each other hardly right. at all. Yeah. Which when we do play two player, I normally add the Atoma in, which is like the robot player, which it works pretty well. They, they expand out like a normal player would. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, but that's Scythe. I really like Scythe. It's in my top 10 games of all time. But. I think my little Scythe, is fine at two player. Oh, I'm sure. You don't have it. I mean, you still have plenty of interaction because the board's not as big and you still are able to run into each other just the right amount. Yeah, you're also encouraged to give other players items in my little scythe. So Yeah, not so much in scythe. No. No, not in scythe. But, but yeah, so scythe. Another one, downforce. Does it say two? Yes. Downforce is two to six players. Interesting. Yeah. So Downforce is a race car game where you are buying race cars, then racing them and betting as the race goes on on which car is going to win. It's listed as a two to six player game. I, I don't know if we've played it at two. Maybe when we first got it just to see it, see it, you know, work. Mm -hmm. Maybe. I don't even know if we did though. But I just don't feel like it's as fun because, I don't know, you can't block or count on other people to push you, really. Yeah, you're, you would only be moving each other's... It's like we'd both be moving each other's cars the whole game with no other... Like, yeah, I don't think that would be very fun at all. Yeah, as good. Unless you, like, 
had a limit on the number of cards you could buy or something. So there are neutral cards out there. Yeah, you would have you need to have something neutral out there. Yeah. So, but that's downforce. You got any yet, or you want me to keep going? I, I, I have one in mind. Okay. But it's a game I don't really like, even if we play it with the right amount of people. But I'm thinking of Root. Oh, I had that on my list. So Root is one, and I put a little asterisk next to it, and I'll explain why. Root at two-player, It just if you just have the base game, it's not great because the factions are so different, and I feel like they kind of, that you need the um, the player balancing. And your woodland creatures in Root. Yeah, sorry, I should explain that. <laughs> yeah, we haven't, Root is a, it's a highly asymmetric game where everybody's a different, woodland creature faction with a completely different ability like everyone plays the game completely different yeah the everybody plays the game completely different but it's the first person to get 30 points wins the game and in route there's there's cats birds mice and the raccoon lizards lizards otters things like that but in the two-player game you typically have to play the cats versus the birds and it's not they're not perfectly balanced because i think root really relies on the inner player balance it requires oh so and so's way ahead of us we need to we need to team up and attack them mm-hmm. and that's just part of the game and other games do that too and it's it is what it is but in root it's especially bad. I think in the rule book it says if you play two players, you should play two games. You should play a game, switch factions, play another game, and then add the scores, like average the scores out and whoever has the highest wins. Mm. And that just, you know, you don't want to do that. No. And so what we do is we play with the clockwork expansion, which adds robot players to the board so it kind of fills it out and yeah, makes it function better yeah i still i mean i will play this game like if we're with a group that wants to but i don't it's never a game that like i'm gonna be like let's play root to me and you even with that expansion it's like no i would only do it if there was like a group that really wanted to play it then i would i'd play it and i would be my cat since that's really the only player i know how to oh no i've been like the raccoon yeah Raccoon. Raccoon. You always say it so weird. It's a raccoon. I don't know why I say it. I don't know if, like... It's a little raccoon. Raccoon. Yes. See, raccoon sounds weird. Well, you're saying it with a weird inflection. I don't know. Raccoon. It's, it's a little raccoon. <laughs> Anyways, I like uh, the I like the cats as well. Those have worked out decently for me. Let's try the moles. I've never again yeah, played with the moles. Yeah. There's there's the rats and the badgers coming out next year. It's going to be exciting. Mm. Never ends. Yeah. But, oh, oh and that's one thing. Uh, in Roots, last Kickstarter, it already ended, so not advertising it. They focused on the two-player game. They tried to make factions and make other modes of play more balanced for two players. So that's cool. Um, one I'm thinking of, unless you have one. No. Is Charterstone. Charterstone's listed at one two six, and I just feel like you wouldn't fill out the board very well unless you played with um, the Automa players, the robot players. 
which yeah. sometimes robot players are great and sometimes they're just yeah, why you know they're not even really yeah well we discussed I, alma mater earlier and that's the yeah. robot players it it needs some work in my opinion yeah and funny story about root is it came out with a robot player initially and people were so unhappy with it somebody made their own and root ended up partnering with them and that's where the clockwork expansion came out was they partnered with this guy that made his own like robot players wow yeah that's pretty awesome yeah so pretty neat the other ones i have aren't necessarily two player or how should i put this they're listed at a higher player count, but I think they're only good at two player. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. So this is this is where that came in. Or I know. I know one that you're gonna say then. What am I gonna say? You're gonna say Star Wars Rebellion. Yes, Star Wars Rebellion. It is listed as a two to four player game. In the four player game, you are literally just dividing the responsibilities of each player and and, and distributing. Yeah, and cutting it in half. So there's no reason it's going to end up being I'm telling you what to do or it it could get into that. And that's or somebody could your teammate could make a move and you're like, oh, my God, why would you do that? You know, and but mm-hmm. you don't want to ruin their fun. and Yeah, things. it's like you're on the same team. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just like two against two pretty much. Right. And that should that's maybe something we should explore later are team games, because the other one I want to pick a bone with is Funkoverse. Yeah. Because one person can just quarterback the whole thing. Right. Which again, Funkoverse kind of fixed this in the game of Thrones. They made a free for all scenario. So you can have four players on a lot of different teams Mm. before Funkoverse. Every one that came out, it was this side versus this side. Right. So you can have, I think we played 3v3, didn't we? We did. Yeah. Which, and it was fun. It was fine because we were learning the game and Mm -hmm. all that, but I wouldn't want to play that way in the future. Yeah. Yeah. So, but those are my ones that I think don't work well at more than two. One that, how do I describe it? The player count is misleading is... Game of Thrones. Okay, Game of Thrones says three to six, and you can play it with three. But the rules as written in the game at three players, I think, aren't great. It's you cut off half the map, and you can only play as these three houses. Mm. You can only play as the Starks, the Baratheons, and the Lannisters. And half the map is cut off, so... That's not fun. And you can only have three choices. That's not fun. But they rectified it. Game of Thrones, that Game of Thrones came out, I think, in 2011. In 20, I think in 2018 or 2019, they released the Mother of Dragons expansion, which we played with back in the summer. And it adds vassals. So what vassals are is they basically fill out the board. They're, They're robot players, but whoever sits on the Iron Throne kind of controls them. Yeah, I was going to say, but you have you have a say in yeah. 
what they do. So it's right. very, very powerful if you get a, get control. Right. It's powerful because you can control them, but at the same time, you can't attack them. And their castles don't count towards your victory castles because you're trying to get seven castles. Mm-hmm. So they fixed it. But I'm just saying the base game of Game of Thrones, I had an issue with, with that. And back in college, Tim, Brady, and I, we had our own fix is we each drafted two houses. Yeah, and y'all and just so, controlled two. Yeah, if we just, you know, had a team amongst ourselves and did that. Which that works. They could easily suggest that. Yeah, they could, but That's they did. not didn't. that big of a deal. But then we, we had to come up with rules like, well... How do you win the game then? Can I attack my my partner to get seven castles? Or mm. how does it work? Do we do combined castles? And then we can't do 14 castles. That's crazy. The game will we'll never get that. So what's the right number? That's true. And so it, there was a lot of stuff we, we tried to balance on our own. but Yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. And the games take twice as long because you're having to... That already is a crazy long <laughs> game. Yeah. But those are my games where I thought the player count was misleading. And you said, you know. Yeah. I mean, I just really kind of got the idea from today's game. I'm glad you had lots to add to that. Cause I... Well, I think while you were putting our son down to bed, I was looking at our game shelf. And these aren't bad games that we listed. I love mm-hmm. a, all, lot a lot of the, all these games. I think. Let me take a look here. I think three, one, two, three, four. Four of the games that I listed in this are were in my top ten last year. It's just they have misleading. Yeah, they have misleading player counts. So yeah. not saying they're bad, just saying, hey. You've just figured out which way is best to play them. That's why you like them so much. That's what it is. That's what it is. We'd like to thank all you listeners for sticking around with us tonight and forgiving us for being a week late. We're sorry about that. Sorry you had to endure a week without a couple games. Yeah, we hope that everyone's had a good couple of weeks and we will try to be back on our usual schedule here. That's really it for, t- for That's today's really episode. It. So if you liked any of the games and want to see pictures of them or even videos now, then you can follow us at a couple games.mz on Instagram or TikTok. And you can also email us if you have any suggestions, if you have any ideas on misleading player counts that you want to contribute. Um, let us know your thoughts at a couple games 2014 at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Or we'll probably put a message with this uh, post where you can comment and. Yeah, we'll see what other what other misleading player counts that other people think could be out there with other games. That's right. And is there anything special going on on Instagram right now? Oh, yes. We have a giveaway going on on Instagram. We have a giveaway for Paris, La City de Lumiere. And it is going on until Wednesday, March 31st at midnight Central Time. Right. So you have until then to go on there and... Find the post and like it and tag a few people and see if you can be a lucky winner. That's right. But until then. I'm Michelle. And I'm Zach. And this has been A Couple Games.